My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This morning, I'm going to be preaching primarily from the text of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and verses 13 to 25. And the title of my sermon this morning is, The Freedom of the Spirit versus the Desires of the Flesh. Freedom of the Spirit versus the Desires for the Flesh. Uh, years ago, when I lived in another part of town, there was this place I used to go to with my friends for lunch during work called the 191 Buffet, which should give you an idea of where it's located. It's on 191. They were not very imaginative with their name. And so we went inside, and this was like the hot new buffet at the time. And there was another one we used to go to on 248, which got, got worse and worse and worse. So we stopped going there. We went to 191 instead. And when you walked into 191, it was like a salt of the senses. There was like a fountain and a thing with fish swimming. And there's just rows and rows and rows of delicious food all over the place. And they had a, not a, like a hibachi thingy at the back. Not a hibachi where they, you know, it was kind of like a hibachi, but it's not the one that you sit around. Anyway. So we went there, and we would go there, we'd eat all the time. Now, I went there, and if I was really hungry, I would be free to eat of any of the food that was there. I had freedom to do so. But, even though I had freedom to eat of all of the food that they had, would it have been good for me to eat everything that they offered? The answer to this is, of course, no. Partially because I would still be there now eating because there's just that much food at a buffet. The other part being it would have been very bad for me. I was free to partake of everything, but I had to limit myself, my own physical limitations of of my stomach. Freedom carries with it, brothers and sisters, a sense of responsibility. Freedom carries with it a sense of not just I can do whatever I want whenever I want, but freedom carries with it a sense of aligning our freedom towards what's good, towards what is true, and towards what is beautiful. And that's found primarily in the freedom of the Spirit walking and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit as opposed to the desires of the flesh. Because the desires of the flesh lead us in the opposite direction of the leading of the Spirit. In St. Paul's reading from Galatians chapter 5, he starts off with this assertion. He says that Christ has set us free Therefore, stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So this immediately should make us, brothers and sisters, ask this question. Freedom from what? Christ has set us free. What has he set us free from? Well, the specific problem at the church here in Galatia 
It's not, as some would define it, how do we define being justified by faith? Because that's a theme in Galatians. It's also a theme in Romans. But the issue in Galatia at the church here is not how do we define being justified. The problem St. Paul is dealing with here is answering the question, do Gentiles, non-Jews, do they have to become Jews to then become Christians? And this is one of the major theological issues in the early church, which we see them dealing with in the book of Acts, chapter 15. And the answer to this question is, of course, no. And Galatians is written to reinforce Paul's point on this. Because, as he says, those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. As opposed to those who enter into the law, or enter into the covenant community through circumcision and following the Torah. The yoke of slavery that St. Paul is referring to specifically here is the Torah, the law. See, the Galatian Christians, like I said, were, were primarily Gentiles who were converted out of paganism. Who then began to listen to false teachers who tried to make them become observant to the Old Testament law in regards to being part of the people of God. And he gets to such a point that St. Paul writes them and he says, he calls them foolish. He says, oh foolish Galatians. And he says, who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you? That you would desert the grace of God that you have received already. That you would turn aside from the gospel. St. Jerome makes the point, in their readiness to keep the law, they were in a sense returning to the cults they had previously served in a state of idolatry. So great, that means then that there's no use at all in the Christian life for the Old Testament law, right? Well, no, wrong. See, the Old Testament law was not about the Jews trying to earn salvation by works. Okay? It's not about them trying to earn salvation by works. The Old Testament law is a sin management system by which they could regularly be purified so God could dwell in their midst because God who is pure love and goodness and holiness encounters what is sinful. What is sinful is Annihilated, right? Not because God is making it so, but because sin cannot stand in the presence of God's holiness. A friend of mine calls this death by holiness. So the Old Testament law was given to them to help them manage sin so they could regularly be purified so they could, they could be in God's presence. But Jesus, in his crucifixion and resurrection, offers himself up as the, the, the final sacrifice for sin, purifying those who will follow him. So the sin management system of sacrifices and grain offerings and burnt offerings and drink offerings, as well as the markers of identity, are no longer in force as Jesus has dealt with them and has, through the sacraments and his church, given them and us the means by which our sins are continually forgiven as we grow in sanctification. He moves on from there and he says they should not use their freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. His point here is very practical. There's been infighting in the church between these different parties and this needs to stop. They cannot use their freedom in Christ, being freed from the law, as something to lord over others in the community. Because to act in this way is to respond according to the flesh instead of responding in love because love is the fulfillment of the whole law. He'll say about the fruit of the Spirit, against such things there is no law. So that we ask the question then, brothers and sisters, what is the flesh? And why is walking by the Spirit juxtaposed to it? Does this mean then that St. Paul is setting up a battle between the physical body and the Spirit? No, not at all. When Paul talks about flesh versus Spirit, he's not talking about the physical body versus the Spirit. We need to remember, in spite of sin and death, God has made everything good. And even though sin and death have marred God's good creation, it remains good, though in need of redemption, hence the coming of Jesus. Flesh versus spirit here is a reference to wickedness versus virtue. It's one of the ways we can understand this. The flesh, then, is not the body. The flesh is corruptible human nature that we all inherit. And when we become Christ's, we enter into new creation, sealed by the gift of the Holy Spirit, where God truly enlivens us, gives us Christ's righteousness. That is a real change, a real transformation in us. What then results from that then, brothers and sisters, is a battle between our corruptible human nature subject to sin and sinful desires, chafing against the life of the Holy Spirit that we have entered into. And then this is played out in how we act. How we act. And he lays out, he gives very specific identification of what the works of the flesh are. He says the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, they are out there. They are easy to see. He says, he says the works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things Look at this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the part that gets rise out of many people. This is a part of scripture that often gets explained away. Well, that doesn't mean what it says. Or Paul said that, not Jesus. So we don't have to obey. He has to take note of these things in their community. Because there are a lot of these Gentile converts in Galatia. And these patterns of living do not reflect those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so he has to remind them, if you do these things, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And we learn from this, brothers and sisters, that what we do with our bodies matters. So what we do with our bodies, will we follow the Spirit? 
Will we let the Holy Spirit that we've been given live in and through us? Will we live according to the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the patience of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the gentleness of God, the self-control of God? Or will we live sexually immoral? Will we live impure lives? Will we live lives full of strife? Fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, and division, drunkenness, envy. Paul doesn't list these things because these are all sins that he thinks are really bad and he really wants to, you know, well, he does list them because they're really bad and they're, they're sins, but he's not writing them because he has something, uh, you know, like, I don't know, he's, like, he's preaching against one person or something like that. This person suffered from all these things, so I need to identify them and say all these things because that fits, you know, it fits one person. He's casting a wide net here. The works of the flesh are evident. They are many, and the works of the flesh the desires of the flesh strive against the freedom of the spirit. See, brothers and sisters, for us, even though we are so far removed from the church in Galatia, his words for us still ring true. The issue of, of us not being Jews following the law has long been settled for us. But for us, the yoke of slavery is the desires of the flesh. And when we do those things, when we participate in the desires of the flesh, we participate in the lives of darkness and in wickedness. But when we participate in the life of God, where the spirit who we've been given lives through us, then these are also evident. And they are signs that we are Christ's. That Christ has truly redeemed us. I wish I could remember the exact uh, quote here. It's not on my notes. It just popped into my mind right now. But in one of his books, C.S. Lewis talks about, he says that uh, every decision that we make turns us either more and more into a heavenly creature or more and more into a hellish creature. Every step that we take turns us towards hell or turns us towards heaven. And as we walk according to the Spirit, then we begin to destroy the lust of the flesh. St. John Chrysostom says, and What is this? What is the destruction of the evils we have spoken of but the life in the Spirit? Life in the Spirit is not esoteric, mystical experiences, but the daily battle against sin and to putting to death the desires of the flesh. Because if we don't do that, they will overpower us and they will control us and they will bring us back into a life of slavery that Christ died to save us from. So if he died to save us from those things, let us leave them behind and not return to them. May the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control of God rule and reign in our hearts. And as we submit to the leading of the Spirit, as we submit to walking with the Spirit, as we submit to God, then we will experience true and everlasting freedom. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.